Guys, welcome. Welcome, welcome to you, Rich. All Here right, guys. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And I'm Sean. And guys, this is our final interview of season two of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. Drummer, well, that was supposed to come earlier. Two uh, seasons in, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. And we are thrilled with our guests. We have Eric Hutchinson on our show today. He's mm-hmm. been doing our theme music since day one. I'm so excited. It's nice to see you so excited about this. What a great way to, uh, you know, to kind of uh, bring the season to a close. But, you know, before we get too far into that, guys, you have been blowing up our social media Mm -hmm. and we really appreciate it. You know, keep that going. We would love to interact with you over these next couple of weeks and months. And you can... Hit us up on Facebook. Follow us on Snapchat. Yep, I'm going to give out Rich's cell phone number. <laughs> you can leave me a voicemail. Oh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, seriously, all, all season long, we've been uh, telling you about the assignments on Link and stuff, but it's also good during the off-season, and, and all year round, we get a cut from Amazon. All you have to do is go to our website first, click on the link. It takes you to Amazon. All it does is give us a little bit of a cut for what you buy. So if you're going to buy something, please, please go to our website first. And then once again, thank you. It's been a great season. And uh, thank you for following us all the way through. Think Amazon. Think guys telling stories. Oh, there it is. Where's that been? All right, Sean. All right, guys. With the end of season two coming up, we need nominations for season three. Uh, We already got a bunch. If you know anybody... Uh, send their information our way. We need their email address. We need uh, links to their social media account. And we need a little bit about them. You know, tell us why they're cool. There's a form right on guystellingstories.com. So head over there, you know, and nominate who you think is good. All right, boys, you ready for this? Yes. Try it home. What do you guys got this week? This is cool. I use it all the time. It's an MOS. I don't know if it's MOS or MOS, but it's a MOS MOS pack. Well, it is a little backpack. It holds my computer, holds my tablet, holds uh, whatever else I need in there. The cool part about it is, see that whole side right there? Mm-hmm. That is where the wires come out. There's a battery in there. Whoa. So at the end of the day, I go and I plug my bag into the wall, and it charges the battery in the bag. It looks pretty cool. It looks like a regular backpack. Yeah, it's a regular backpack. It holds mm-hmm. a computer, tablet, a bunch of other stuff. It's got like four or five pockets. Makes me wonder why all backpacks don't have batteries in them. That's a, that's a good piece of tech right well, there. I'm glad you like it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I'm taking it home with me. Can I borrow it? All right. Well, as always, remember, if you like the sound of Bill's charging backpack, you can head to our website and check out the Try It Home tab. So I'll what do you got? I'll go next. I got a fun one. I got my tabletop gong stand set. It is a gong, folks. You know what I'm talking about. It has that traditional gong sound. It comes with a little striker, and it sits in a little stand, and you have a mallet. And what I love using it for, if you're a teacher and you want to walk into the classroom (laughs) and just let the students know it's time to start class, you just hit the gong. If you want to stick it in the bedroom or the bathroom, anytime you do something that you're proud of, you just walk (laughs) up to the gong and you go... Anytime you leave a room, you just let people know, like, peace, I'm out. I love this thing. It is a tabletop (laughs) gong with a stand and a mallet, and I think everybody, every home needs at least one, if not two. So as always, head to our website, check out all of our great, crazy products at our Try at Home tab, and if you like what you see, check it out. That's a good one, Rich. Thanks, Bill. All right, let's get to our guests do you remember way back when, Bill? Yes. It was our first podcast, and yes. we were uh, sitting around, 
And we didn't even have a name yet. We were just grabbing some beers and mm-hmm. we were we were talking about a name, a logo, a theme music. And Is this, this our first like fake podcast? Well, you know, we, we thought it was going right? to be our real podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my buddy and I talked for two hours here and I, I'm sure that recording somewhere. But I remember getting oh, the idea funny. that we needed some theme music. And I immediately thought to reach out to Eric Hutchinson for permission to use a few of his songs. For those of you not familiar with Eric, he is an international recording superstar, singer-songwriter, and I was a fan of his back in college. I actually got a chance to meet him, and he was just starting out, so... I went to a few of his shows and then brought him to my college, Geneseo, yep. for, for a bunch of times. He played he played the school, he played our uh, our frat house, and he's blown up ever since. And I you've mean, talked about him to me for since I've met you, so that's y- great. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is a guy I'm a fan of, and, uh, and, you know, I couldn't be happier for his success. So most recently, he's been on tour with Kelly Clarkson and Josh Groban, and his, his new album just dropped, Easy Street. And we're so excited that he finally said yes, because we've asked before and he, he said, no, it hasn't been a good time. And so literally, I thought this would just be something that we, you know, keep asking. And he just keeps Let's saying, just no. just stalk him. <laughs> no, you ask once a year, twice a year. And, you know, it's like, uh, we'll eventually get him. And he, he finally did say yes. So what better way to wind down our second season than to talk with Eric Hutchinson? We have no more goals. That's it. It's done. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm sure we'll do our, our season two wrap up episode next week, but let's get to uh, let's get to Eric. Let's give him a call and let's talk about his success, his journey. Uh, he has so much to so much to talk about. So uh, let's talk to Eric. Let's see. Here we go. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing yeah, great. we're real excited to have you on. You have been doing our theme music for the podcast since season one, and that's much appreciated. Does he know that? I, uh, I think so. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> you probably, you've probably we been... We owe him money? No, I hope not. Yeah, But Eric, you've been doing uh, podcast theme music for a while, haven't you? I've done some stuff, yeah, yeah. I've, got, uh, I've done the podcast for this ESPN football, fantasy-focused football, and that's... Uh, Giving me a strange bit of notoriety in the fantasy football world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we actually I talked to Christopher Harris, who used to be with ESPN a while back. So yeah, I know you're a big fantasy guy too. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, before we uh, get too deep into it, can you plug your social media? Anything you have going on right now? You want the people to know about? Yeah, I'm on uh, everything: Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook at Eric Hutchinson. And um, yeah, I got my new album is. It's called Easy Street, and um, it's it's been a process making it and getting it out. But I'm really I'm really proud of the music, and I hope people are going to check it out. If you haven't already checked out Eric's music, go check out the new album Easy Street. And I've, I have listened to it, and I'm loving it. It's uh, it's real good stuff, and I'm really liking Alcatraz. Uh, that one for Thank me. Thank you. Yeah, that one for me. I, I uh, it's like that's good cruising music. Put that on in the car and drive. <laughs> Right. I was going to say, you've been one of my uh, longest supporters, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, back in the day, I think, uh, just it's guys telling stories, and Bill, I don't know if you even know this story, where I was at a NACA conference with Tim, Tim, shout out to you, and we were a little bored, to be honest with you. There, there's these, for people who aren't familiar with NACA, there's these singers, songwriters, comedians, magicians, ventriloquists, you name it, and they're all trying to get booked at these colleges, 
And so this was a regional one too. So it wasn't like this big national show. And all of a sudden, you know, we like are checking out some singers, songwriters, cause I was doing special events and, and he was doing the concerts and, uh, Eric, you came on, I think you do a quick set, maybe it's 15 minutes, maybe it was 20 and you saved rock and roll for last. And that was by far the only song we heard all day that we were like, that could be on the radio. And I think mm-hmm. this was back in 2003. So we came up to you and said, hello. And, you know, been a fan of the music ever since. I appreciate it. And you had me come play a couple of, uh, couple of frat parties and things and uh, <laughs> that's right in a time when i was really first starting it was one of the first times i remember actually like having people be there and and know the music and uh some i've got like journal entries about that stuff of like definitely gave me the uh the energy to keep going oh that's cool yeah that is cool yeah i mean we're, we'll probably get into this but i don't know we if you remember this we went to a show and I was a little surprised because, you know, you're a fan of like people and you don't really know who they are. And then you get a chance to meet them. You had two shows in one day and you think this guy at the time is some big celebrity, you know, millionaire. And you played one show at a small school in the afternoon and you drove to another school. And all of a sudden we followed you there. They, they set you up in a in a cafeteria where people were more people were coming in to get their Subway sandwich <laughs> than they were to like come listen to music. Uh, do you, you remember you have fond memories of those days? Um, yes, because I'm not doing them as much anymore, but, uh, <laughs> it was certainly really helpful and the college world did a lot for me. And, and that's one of the first things I always tell younger artists to check out is the the shows can be hit or miss, but it's really good to get paid to do the job I wanted to do and to be able to get up there and just log some hours on stage and, and learn how to, I mean, that's like, you know, part of my, my stage persona has come from the fact that I had to play for like seven people and nobody wanted to hear me but how do you like make them pay attention anyway and i think that's sort of always still going on a little bit you got to fight for your audience and Mm -hmm. and carve out those people that get it yeah do you have any uh memories of like the strangest place you played where you actually still made like at least a 100 bucks or something yeah i mean i did a ton of these colleges like you were saying a lot of them were in like the middle of the afternoon during lunch or something and i mean no exaggeration i must have done I don't know, 150 colleges or something like that. And it paid the bills and it, it helped me be able to, you know, do other shows for cheaper where I could open up for somebody but just not make money. Or it was just kind of at the time I was taking anything I could. And and uh, one day I, w- I got on stage after doing it for a while and I was like, oh, I don't feel anything. Like, what's going on? Like, I was freaking out a little bit. And I did it next night and same thing. I didn't, I just got up there and I was like bored and I was like, what's going on here? And then I realized that um, I didn't have stage fright anymore. I just was used to standing there and doing what I wanted to do. And it was no different than standing off of the stage because I'd just been there enough. And that was actually a really like empowering moment where I could sort of be like, okay, I can do this. And it's not about if I'm going to mess up or not. It's just about like, what am I trying to create here? Some people thrive on that that fear a little bit. Maybe not not so much if they're performing like you. But we've talked to some some guests that need the fear to keep them keep them motivated and to keep them basically honest with with their performances. So, mm-hmm. um, but I could I could definitely see the advantage of being able to uh, get up there and just be one hundred percent comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we were talking to a. Uh, a filmmaker who was actually working with Snoop Dogg at the time, uh, Rory Karf. And Rory was saying that Snoop Dogg uh, is such a great guy, gives you like 
100% of his attention in the moment, even though he has a million other things going on. So they were at like a hotel or something. All of a sudden, Snoop's like, hey, just chill right here. I'll be right back. And he disappeared for 20 minutes. And then he came right back. He's like, all right, let's go get something to eat. And he's like, man, where'd you go? He's like, oh, I had to go do a quick show. <laughs> and that's like how comfortable you know Snoop is with doing these shows. He like leaves his buddy for like I just got to cut out for a second. You think it's a bathroom break, and he goes and does a concert. So I mean, yeah, I guess with experience comes the comfort level there. So that's a pretty empowering. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we always like to take people on a journey through your life. If we can kind of take it back to the beginning, childhood, you know, what type of kid were you growing up? Um, I guess if we stay in the music world, were you like a Run DMC kid, Nirvana, Backstreet Boys, all of the above? None of the above, probably. <laughs> um, I liked, yeah, I liked a lot of hip hop. I grew up in a really musical family and there was kind of just a little bit of everything my my parents were obsessed with the Beatles and, and now I'm obsessed with the Beatles and they loved Motown and Stevie Wonder and Bob Dylan and stuff, and Paul Simon. So there was a lot of like kind of in the beginning, a lot of early singer songwriter stuff. You know, I just sort of was around music all the time. My grandmother was a professional violin player. And I, so I just, I have a appreciation for a lot of different stuff. But then when I was, you know, in high school, hip hop was starting to get more and more popular and I was really into Tribe Called Quest and uh, The Far Side. and um, I liked Soundgarden more than Nirvana. Okay, yeah. Nirvana got a little big for a while. I mean, and and that's an under-exaggeration. They, they were huge, is yeah, what I'm trying were, to yeah. say. <laughs> so I can understand why you like the Soundgarden, yeah. You know, but uh, anybody else in your family, uh, siblings, uh, are they into in the music world at all? Or I guess even in the entertainment world? Not really. My my brother was a drummer for a while. He went to school for it, and then he decided he wanted to do urban planning instead. And now he's thriving in that world and and changing lives. And uh, it's pretty cool to watch. Cool. Where is he? Uh, he's in D.C. these days, where okay. I'm from. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we were in D.C. over, or I was in the beginning of July. We did a little bike trip, and it was way too hot for me. I got to tell you, it was like my <laughs> clothes were burning my skin. But we discovered Uber and uh, and Lyft, and we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that here in our neck of the woods, at least not yet. So we were literally just taking a car, maybe three, four blocks, uh, because it was so cheap, and we wanted to stay out of the heat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so urban planning at its best, you know. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, moving ahead a little bit in, in your career, you're like one of those guys on the cusp of like the internet, where all of a sudden your music goes from touring around, maybe hoping to sell some CDs out of the trunk of your car too. Now you can sort of post it online and get people to kind of hear you and spread the word for you. Yeah, and so, interact with you. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, maybe staying in the college years, you know, how did your influence with school and the internet sort of uh, influence your music? Uh, I feel like even before the internet, it was just I grew up in a really diverse area in, in uh, Washington, D.C., just outside of it. And there was just really an access to all types of people, and, and my high school was really not typical. We had as many kids who had been born in Vietnam and and Ethiopia as there were from you know down the street where we were going to school, and it was so it was really diverse. And I think I was just really exposed to all kinds of stuff. So I was really, I just kind of loved all music and and kind of tried to incorporate it all. And then I you know I made this album sounds like this, and and it was weird to kind of. I didn't know what to do with it, and it came out, and I was lucky enough that it sort of caught on at the right time, and and um, it was one of the best days of my life, really. I, I was done with the album. I didn't know what to do, and I woke up one morning and 
uh, Perez Hilton had put it on his website and, and, um, it sort of blown up overnight. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, if you could take us back to the, that, that morning when you're waking up, because I think someone told me I got like a newsletter or what I can't even remember. Facebook was like, had notifications back then, but they said, check out iTunes. You won't believe what you see. And there was some sort of rap battle going on between 50 Cent and Kanye West. Like who could sell the most albums when they released their new you know, CD, if they even called it CDs. And all of a sudden, you, you can kind of see it's like 50 Cent and Kanye battling, battling it out for, for album sales. And then there's this, at least that morning, there's this album cover with no artwork, and it says Eric Hutchinson, <laughs> and it's up there in the top 10. So, I mean, that morning, did you like wake up, check your email, and then immediately like check your bank account? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, it was... I like I say it was like my birthday on steroids. So anybody I'd ever met was coming out of the woodwork, and it was sort of just blowing up. And it was a really insane week. I was out in California that, and I was doing a show that night already in LA. So then the show was really fun and exciting. But there was um, it was just totally unexpected, and and people were you know people who I had been supportive, and people who hadn't been returning my calls for two years. Everybody was suddenly reaching out and saying, hey. What's going on? How's it going? Let's talk, man. I've always been a fan. Blah blah blah. And it was uh, it was a weird time for sure, but it was really um, pretty amazing. Now, when, and, the, when those people come out of the woodwork who aren't returning your calls, are you sort of like, hey, fuck you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it just depends. You know, I've been doing it long enough to know that it's a it's a it's a small business. And it's in your best interest to be good to everybody because they come back around. Yeah. Well, we're in our we're in our second season right now, and I just want to point out that that is the first time that Rich has sworn during our show. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> crazy. So I don't know what kind of yeah. guests we have to get you to do this, but you know, we reach out to people all the time for the show or to sponsors, and 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 like you. you I mean, it probably still happens to you these days. You know, certain people they just never get back to you, let alone. If they're going to say yes or no, they can take weeks, months. And it's like interesting for you to reflect back because that was close to 10 years ago. You know, like you have a great perspective now on, you know, be nice to everybody. It all comes back around. But back then you got a you got a show and everyone's blowing, blowing up your phone. You got a show that night. It might be easy just to kind of have that uh, FU attitude. Yeah, definitely. I was on the fast track to like, yes, I can't wait to ditch all these people. This is amazing. Finally, I'm getting my big break, and then um, I was in the, I was making the album, and I was signed to, I got signed to Maverick Records beforehand, so I'd sort of already been dropped before, and I kind of just had this, had this feeling of like, oh, I know what this is like actually to to have people get excited and then to stop paying attention. It's it's just really, you know, there's a lot of cliches about the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of the business. And, you know, the longer I do it, the more it's like I just try to enjoy it when it's going well and, and you know, not take it personally when it's not. But that's that can be hard to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think back now, because it's been a while, do you, are you still liking the way sounds like this came out? I mean, old albums for me are like old pictures from high school or something, you know, like it's fun to look at it, but it doesn't necessarily feel like where I am now or I wouldn't do things the same. I probably wouldn't wear the same shirt that I was wearing in the high <laughs> picture and my hair is different. So, you know, like I'm proud of it all and I'm glad it continues to, to resonate with people. 
but it's not necessarily what I would do now. So it's, it's an interesting like mixture. It is. Cause a lot of people look at old pictures and go, Oh, I, I was so skinny. And then they think <laughs> of how fat they are, <laughs> right? you know, so they almost look at it with like that nostalgia. It's like, oh, I really need to, I got to start gotta working out. Yeah, yeah. I got to lose weight. So, but it's different when you're talking about, yeah, you know, when you're talking about music, that's for sure. So, you know, moving ahead a little bit and you are having some success. You're doing a ton of shows per year. Do you find yourself in any kind of anecdotal fun situations? Like you're hanging out with Kanye West and 50 Cent at like a dinner party or anything along those lines? I have not met Kanye. I would love to. He's, he's one of my favorite artists ever. Um, but we have not hung out yet. So if, if you interview him on here, let him know. I'm saying hi. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will. I will tell him. I mean, I've been lucky to open for a lot of different stuff, especially in the beginning. I would sort of just open for anyone and everyone who would have me and just wanted to get in front of new crowds. And I've also spent the last year and a half or so really kind of trying to re rebuild and make some new fans. We opened up for uh, Kelly Clarkson and Pentatonix last summer and uh, been out with One Republic and Philip Phillips and Nat Nathanson and OAR. So it, it's really – I did a couple of shows with Josh Groban this summer to see what that was like. It's really – I like to think my music could be for everybody, so it's sometimes fun to to see how far that can go. Now, uh, along those lines, you know, you're opening up for festivals where, like, Tom Petty is is the headliner, and you got Kelly Clarkson there. Are you rubbing elbows with? Uh, I heard a rumor with uh, Quincy Jones and Jamie Fox. Is that true or is that false? That is true. That's a true rumor. <laughs> Did I tell you that, or you read that somewhere? I think I heard it in an interview. Well, uh, you mind telling that story? Yeah, I, I performed at this event that was, um, I believe it was raising money for Down Syndrome. Um, I actually have forgotten now what it was for, but it was a really great event in uh, Denver. And there was, it was you know a lot of people coming out and raising a lot of money to help. And Jamie Foxx was the host of the event. He had volunteered to do that. And Quincy Jones was sort of the master of ceremonies and was kind of presiding over the event. And then... I performed a couple of songs and uh, afterwards they, they kind of like put me in this VIP area. They had like an after party bar and stuff and they put me in this VIP area and it was just me, Jamie Foxx, and Quincy Jones sitting there. I'm like, which of these things is not like the other? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what to talk about. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm, this is embarrassing and like I'm embarrassed for myself and it was weird. It was definitely weird, but it uh, ended up being really cool, and and they were really nice. And I, I asked. I mean, there's just so many things that Quincy Jones has been a part of that I was so excited about that I was like, I got to just find out more information. Like, he he's got to start. Maybe not even start, but in his earlier days, he was working with Frank Sinatra and arranging a bunch of stuff there. And then he did all the stuff, obviously, with Michael Jackson, and and he did the music for the the movie The Wiz, which was one of my favorites growing up. So there's been all this different stuff, and it was really cool. I got a picture with him. He was really nice. You know, I'm I'm really I've I've got some stories I'm not going to tell you of meeting people who weren't that cool. And you know, my thing, is, <laughs> I think it's Peyton Manning who said it takes just as long to be nice as it does to be mean, and. I think that stuff goes a long way. Anyone I've ever met, when they've been cool, even for 10 seconds, you know, I take that forever and pay attention. Yeah, but uh, from what I've heard, too, Peyton can be really tough <laughs> to get along <laughs> with. I mean, oh, really? yeah, yeah. When, uh, with with the, the Manning family, is, is Peyton is a very serious guy. He... Um, hmm. So he's got a lot of fans, and but a lot of teammates too. He's just, it's just he he demands perfection. So I right. think I think Eli's a little bit 
more more easygoing. And, <laughs> uh, and I think their older brother, too, is the one you want to hang out with at a party. <laughs> so you, you got this success, you know, pretty, pretty early on. But um, how was what was it like? Like, you know, you're in high school, you're hanging out. Do people know you as the music guy in your high school before that? And then uh, how do they react to you now? Like if you go back uh, for a, like a high school reunion or, or run into them? Is there- um, I didn't love high school. I felt pretty invisible there, and there was just so many kinds of people, and I would kind of just go off and do my thing. I wasn't as involved with school stuff as I probably should have gotten, and um, so some of that was was tough for me. But yeah, I was kind of doing my own thing and making music, and I was also I was making films. Actually, I had um, I'd started making movies, and I ended up going to college for to be a filmmaker. And was kind of always just doing music on the side, even though I'd kind of really been doing it my whole life. But yeah, I mean, my 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 close friends knew I was kind of the artsy one or something, and and uh, you know they've all been supportive and still come out to shows and things. But I think a lot of people just didn't even know who I was. You know, mm-hmm. do you do do you go back to any? Do you have high school reunions or do people? Eat? We've had one. I didn't didn't make it to. I I keep in touch with it. There's a couple of good, really good friends I still have from from college, uh, high school that I see. So I, I kind of. Try and stay in touch with the people I want to stay in touch with, and kind of being in a room with a whole bunch of people like that doesn't exactly sound like my bag. So, <laughs> we watched a video of you uh, yesterday uh, on the streets asking people, you know, who's Eric Hutchinson? You know who Eric Hutchinson is? Have you heard of Eric Hutchinson? It's really funny. Yeah, Bill was laughing it, it pretty is, hard. Well, it's different than the ones you see, which is like you know you get a you get a famous actor who's in costume who does it, and then he takes he serves you food, and then he takes his costume off, and it's like ah. Oh, but you know you're like really you doing it and it it just it it i loved it i i it's my kind of humor was that something that you always had too or was that something that kind of came with the success of of being a musician to to let you show the sense of humor in that way yeah i mean i um you know my family has been funny and interesting and and uh everyone's always kind of riding you and making jokes and I started a comedy troupe in college actually. You know, I sort of I thought I was going to be making funny movies and stuff. That's sort of what I wanted to be doing and for a long time my songs were really serious and sad and and that was kind of boring to me and what was more fun was being able to make upbeat music and and songs that people could get excited about and um to joke around and not take it too seriously, I guess. Yeah, I know with Snapchat and social media, uh, it's kind of fun to have people like watching your day to day, and I don't know, it's kind of uh, empowering to like put a happy spin on things. But you know, if we can move ahead a little bit, Eric, we always like to ask about about like a challenge or an obstacle. And, and uh, you know, when Bill and I were preparing for the interview, we pulled up the uh, the essay that you just wrote, which I think is like kind of pretty timely with the new album coming out, and you seem to be a little bit more open and honest with some things that are going on personally with you. I don't know if you want to talk about that just a little bit and kind of tell people the story behind that and, and maybe why you decided to sort of open up about those topics. Uh, yeah, I wrote this essay that you can you can check out on my, my website, um, and it's, it's under outreach. And uh, I, I, this, making this album was really sort of an intense process. And sort of as I was thinking about what this album was about, I, I decided it was time to sort of share this stuff with my fans and my friends who I haven't really talked about. So my father has uh, myotonic muscular dystrophy, which is he was diagnosed with later in life and, and has continued to really eat away at his physical abilities. 
And it was something I just didn't ever talk about. But I did know it was hereditary and I had a 50% chance of inheriting it. Um, And I decided to get tested, DNA testing, to see if I would actually uh, have the disease. And it was something I was really stressed about and and nervous and had spent a lot of my life worrying about. And I finally decided I needed to know either way just to sort of take some of the power back. So... I started getting tested, and then while I waited for the results, I made this new album, Easy Street, and um, you know there was a lot of depression during it, and it was it was just a lot, you know. And, and I've heard from a lot of other people that are dealing with the same disease or similar things, and it's just been really amazing to see the outpouring of people who have been, you know, really loving as a mm-hmm. response and not not judgmental or um, or turned off or something. Yeah, I think when you open yourself up like that, one of the biggest fears might just be that people are judging you. And if that's you know not the case, it's just like one of those things where you don't want to put it on the record because then it's sort of there forever. It's part of the story. Uh, but we were talking about Peyton Manning before, and uh, we yeah, I found out his, his grandfather, I was just watching this uh, 30 for 30 book of Manning, his grandfather actually committed suicide. And you, know, you, you hear about these NFL quarterbacks like, winning Super Bowls. His father was an NFL quarterback, Archie. And then, and then all of a sudden, there's these like kind of family, not secrets, but family topics. It's just easier not to talk about. But talking kind of is therapeutic. And for a lot of mm-hmm. listeners out there, we always kind of take an inspirational tone towards like the end of these sorts of things. So I just want to say, I think a lot of people are, will appreciate your openness and your honesty with that, with that more personal topic. Well, yeah, I'm definitely, I appreciate you saying that. I'm just trying to... Um explore and, and get get that stuff out there more and, and you know sort of take some of the stigmas away from mental health issues and you know everyone's got something every every family's got secrets every person's carrying around some kind of a burden or a thing they don't and I just find that being open about it makes it feel like less of a deep dirty secret and it's been it's been an interesting process I'm still kind of learning how to get better at it yeah well right on no I think we could all myself included can be a little bit more open and honest with some stuff that you're dealing with because there's a lot of people out there that will kind of support you and you know what it is too it's most of the times it's just friends and family because they don't really know what's going on and I don't know a lot of times you don't want to share but you know if we uh if we could kind of maybe we'll transition a little bit to something lighter uh getting back to music slightly I one of the struggles I think a lot of people might be interested to hear about is I was thinking about this the other day how can a musician sell like a million albums maybe a million plus but still not make like any money. Like you're living in this world for going on like two decades now. How is it possible? And I'm not implying you don't make any money. I'm, what I'm yeah, asking, what are you saying here, Rich? What I'm asking is my my friends. I posted online. I was like, you know, what do you need to? It was somebody else had it on Facebook. What do you need to be set for life? Like two million bucks, three million bucks. And I was like, you know, you got these musicians making money, but I, from what I've heard, you can you can sell a million albums and not make any real money. Maybe you could talk about that, like, obstacle or, or struggle that's, like, in the music industry a little bit. You know, I've been lucky enough to be able to make a living doing this, yeah, for, for a long time now. And, and something I don't take lightly and that I really uh, am, am proud of, but also I just realized how lucky I've been. You know, it's constantly different and the music industry's constantly been changing a lot, obviously, right now while stuff's going on. And I think... Um, to me, we're seeing an interesting time where streaming music is becoming the, the reality, and I think it's 
really amazing as a listener and a music fan. Streaming is the future, but I think we just need to figure out a way people get used to paying. And whether that's 10 bucks a month or whatever it is, it's still an amazing deal. And, you know, I try not to think about it too much. My job is more about trying to make music and perform it. But, you know, I do think there's a responsibility for all different kinds of people who are working really hard and are sort of committing their life to this stuff. And the amount of joy that a lot of people can bring through music and not be able to pay their bills is is a weird mixture and um you know it's certainly certainly harder than it was before because album sales just aren't as important anymore yeah yeah we brought up your uh i think tour schedule when we first started talking it's a guy like you how many shows you think you do a year then to, uh you know like on average i guess every year um i don't know this year's been been back to the old days of really just on the uh on the road most of the year I went to Europe twice and um, it's been a lot and and by like being out there I like trying to make new fans and I like getting to perform and I love that I get to travel and see so many places and meet different people and, and eat amazing food and, and really get a sense of how big this country is and the world and that stuff takes I take back to me really easily and it's uh, it's really nice to bring that home with me afterwards. That's great. We noticed on on the schedule, and and feel free to to check out check out his pages and stuff. We'll we'll get to that uh, towards the end too. It's fifty. It's about a fifty day tour where you have ten days off, which is you know you one city and just pack up and go to the next and to the next and and ten days off is not much for for what you're performing. I mean, you're you, it's it's you got to have all your energy. Um, what's that like to 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 not have the luxury of you know one day at work one day off and the, and the normal traditional schedule that everyone else has i think the misconception is that being on tour is just vacation all the time which it's not you know there's a lot of it's a lot of i mean i'm really lucky and i love what i do and i'm every day i'm thankful that i get to be able to do it and i still sometimes will look around and say how did this happen but there's still you know work involved with it and it's very exhausting if you don't take care of yourself which i try to a lot of my band says I'm like the least rock star person they know. I'm in <laughs> right afterwards and I'm doing vocal warm-ups and I just do a lot of stuff to maintain my voice and my and my energy because I give so much of it on stage that if I'm not fully rested I'll I won't I won't make it through. You know, I'm a, a massive baseball fan and to me it's it's a similar thing of like baseball's about doing it every day and, and actually most jobs are about doing it every day and it's how much can you do and how well can you do the job that you can still do it the next day just as well for somebody else. And um, I try to put the best show on possible at all times. So I think better than walking out onto the stage and being able to, to execute the singing and the dancing and the playing exactly how I want to is is a fantastic feeling. And it makes up for skipping the bars and, and uh staying up late and stuff yeah well you know we're excited for your for your upcoming album easy street and for the for the tour as well so you know just moving ahead uh you know obviously you're probably excited about those two things as well but you know what vision do you have for yourself in the in the near future anything uh kind of down the pike you're currently excited about uh right now the focus is really about this album easy street and and the tour that's coming along with it and, and if you hear it and you want to come out to the shows you know it's it's a really good time and and it's you know it's really what I've devoted my life to the last year and a half of making this awesome show and you know anyone who comes out it's it's a fun time and 
I just really want to spread these songs that I've I've really put my heart and soul into. Yeah, you know, I give you a compliment. You've you really have come a long way. There's been a lot of singer songwriters that you know you hear about in college or something along those lines, and they're either not doing it anymore or not full time. And you know, here you are, and I think you've grown a lot too in a, in a in a really positive way. Uh, you know, with all of a sudden now you're wearing like these custom designed suits, at least in my opinion, they are. I can't find those at Express. <laughs> um, I look, ex- they're, yeah, they're not at Express. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the album too, you know, you, you mentioned Easy Street is, is, is coming out and you, you produced that yourself. That was all you? I did. Yeah. That's a big and step. It's a really cool experience to go through and, and, uh, you know, it just, it felt like another, another instrument I could play was sort of knowing how to put together the music in, in the studio. That's cool. Yeah, that's really exciting. So, you know, we always like to ask too, kind of like riding off into the sunset, any advice you'd give to that uh, performer in whatever, you know, talent they have, who's sort of just starting out? There's a great book called Big Magic that was written by Elizabeth Gilbert, who she sums up everything. I was I read the book recently, and it's sort of just a love letter to the creative process. And uh, I've been giving it to a lot of younger artists that I work with because it's it's just really inspiring and it really is practical. So I'd check it out. Anybody really, it's really written for anybody, and it's about how to find creativity in your life, whether you do it once a week as a hobby or if it's something you want to make your career out of. But the book's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah, that's we always love book recommendations. Only only a few people. You know, some people give them. Some people give you know anecdotal stories for advice. Some people don't read. Yeah, some people don't read. You know, right. t- try to see if it's on an audio book. Then Bill can listen to it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> some people, yeah. Uh, well, Eric, this has been great. Yeah, we were really happy to bring you on for our final episode of season two. And uh, you know, we just wish you the best of luck in the future with the new album, the tour, and everything. Thank you so much, and I appreciate all the support over all the years, so thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, uh, one more time for uh, for Eric, if you're interested, maybe you can tell him where to follow you on social media. Uh, yeah, it's everything is at Eric Hutchinson, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and, and I'm pretty active on all of them, so yeah, love def- to have you uh, come say hi. Yeah, definitely check him out online. And go see him. Yeah, check him out. All right, guys, this is, this is it. This is... Uh, this is it for a little while. See you in two years. <laughs> well, this has oh. been a great last episode of season two for the Guys Telling Stories podcast. Uh, we might do a little uh, season finale wrap up where Bill and I just talk. But Eric, thanks for doing the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, great time. Great uh, stuff. Then. All right. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Okay, guys. Until next time. See All right, Eric Hutchinson, guys. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was so good to talk to him. And, you know, I know he's out on tour right now all over, up and down the East Coast and Middle America. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's probably some West Coast states in there. He's such a busy guy. And if you get a chance to see him, do it. I've seen him a bunch of times. And if not, you know, go check out Easy Street. And, guys, this is our last interview for Season 2. You know what that means? What what does that mean? That means we get to actually go to a bar and sit down and reflect on what we've done this season and have a really good time. Yeah, it's super exciting. No guests. Next week we'll post our season two finale episode. Just Rich, 
Bill, Sean, mm-hmm. talking about the guests, yep. talking about some behind-the-scenes stories. So. We record for six and a half hours, <laughs> and we only get about ten minutes of good material out of it. Oh, but he's he's only slightly exaggerating. Last <laughs> last time, I think we recorded for three hours, and uh, man, maybe maybe forty-five minutes of it was usable. So please keep up to date with us on social media during the off season. Check out our episode next week, and keep those nominations coming in too, because we love reaching out and saying, you know, hey, you were nominated, you know. Would you like to be on the show? And mm-hmm. I think we got a really exciting season three planned. But uh, it's kind of cool because some of our guests this season, we got through the nomination process and we were able to tell them who nominated them. And they were, you know, a couple of them were like, who? Yeah. And a couple of them were like, oh, that's cool. I haven't talked to that guy in like five years. That's really awesome. I'm yeah. glad he thought of me. And it's, it's just kind of neat. So, yeah. So what a way to end the season, guys. I can't wait to to sit down with you next week. And, uh, yeah, and, join us next week when I reveal some- deep secrets about these two. <laughs> Well, you know what, though? Thanks for sticking with us for season two. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Until next time, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. I'm Sean.